0: Hey sister, this is Misty Williams, founder of HealingRosie.com and I'm so excited to welcome you to Rosie Radio. Tune in to find clarity, direction and hope for your healing. New episodes drop every Tuesday. We created this show to empower you to regain control of your life and feel like yourself again. Yes, sister, it is possible. You guys, I have been so excited about this awesome conversation I'm going to have with Jason Prawl. If you have tuned in to any of the summits or masterclasses that I've done, you know that we always have the most epic conversations. And I was having dinner with a friend last week who um, just discovered that her daughter, who I believe is around 13, is slightly autistic. And there was so much regret and shame that my friend was feeling on how she had parented in light of this new lens that she has now for her daughter's experience. And it had me thinking about how all of us are, especially when you, when you have a belief that, um, that something is wrong with you, something is wrong with your body. Um, it doesn't work for you like it seems to work for other people, right? You have um, a diagnosis, perhaps. Maybe you've gone to a doctor and you've heard your labs are normal and everything's fine and it's really just messed with your head because you're like, I don't feel normal. I don't feel like everything is fine. How do you navigate your healing through the lens of all this noise, you know, how do you, I I started asking myself this last year, because I was so frustrated with the weight loss resistance that I was experiencing. This was before um, I got the mold diagnosis that you have, you know, toxic mold. And that that was obviously a big part of why I was kind of spinning in place. But I I started really getting present for myself to, um, I need, this is not my identity. My experience in this reality is not my destiny. And how do I lift myself above you know, so that I can see clearly and chart a path forward to create what I really want for my life. And I know there's so many women in our community who are feeling the very same thing, you know, you're dealing with these, especially when it goes on for years and years, you start kind of feeling stuck in the soup of, of symptoms and diagnoses and all of the things you have to do to accommodate this reality. We're going to peel back the layers on this onion with Jason today. And I'm so excited. Um, I really can't wait for us to dig in. So Jason Prawl is a health educator, practitioner, author, speaker, and filmmaker. In 2018, his independent research and experience led him to create the Human Longevity Project, a nine-part film series that uncovers the true nature of chronic disease in our modern world. He's currently finishing his first book on longevity, as well as his next film series that explores ancient methods of healing mind, body, and soul from indigenous cultures around the world. So excited you're here, Jason.
1: Oh, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Well, we just kind of did a big setup here. Um, You and I were talking before we started recording about... About the individual work that we do, trying to navigate this space and terrain, you know, wanting to get clear on what's happening. And like, I I needed to get clear that it it was toxic mold for me and a few of these other things so that I could actually take some steps to eradicate it. But it gets, it can get really hard and tiring when you've been on this journey for a while. And um, especially if you've experienced spinning of your wheels, which most of us do, you know, at some point to, to think in ways that are going to actually help us get through it. One of the things that comes up for me that I hear from people is um, here's, here's the, all the things that are making me sick. Here's the, here's um, all the ways I've struggled and now I can't get well because I can't afford it. I don't have the money. The resources aren't there. Right. Um, going through the trauma of this kind of sickness has you taking on these beliefs about who you are and your condition that can really keep you stuck. And, I would love for us to just dig into this a little bit. You were giving me chills before we started recording.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a big topic, right? Because um, whenever we're faced with some diagnosis, some um, set of symptoms, some, some challenge, whether it's even with our health or, or, or elsewise, we're, we're creating these narratives. We're creating these stories about what it means, uh, what it looks like, how long it's going to take, um, how much money it's going to take, uh, all these things, right? And so uh, it's really interesting because we're, very rarely do any of us actually deal with what is and rather we're, we're dealing with the stories that we're creating in our mind. Right. And this is not something to, to be critical about, um, but rather just to observe, you know, what are the, the stories that I'm telling myself? Are these true true? Where where are these coming from? Right. And, and a lot of the time, these stories, these narratives, these beliefs that we're creating come from our conditioning, from our childhood, um, from a place of ignorance, from a place of fear, right. Um, because we're, it's uncertain, we don't know what to do. Right. Um, and so when we don't know what to do and we become scared because we have no path forward, Oftentimes the mind just goes crazy, right? And it just starts to to run loose. And Mm -hmm. so it's just an opportunity to really look at what the beliefs are. What are the stories that are being told? And and if we have enough awareness, we can actually track our bodies. We can actually feel what it feels like inside. What does it feel like? What does this fear feel like? Does it feel jittery and shaky? And does it feel cold? Can I even feel my body? What's going on? So I think this is with a little bit of awareness, we can just pause and get curious about what's happening. Um, as I sit here and think about my situation, right? And mm-hmm. this can fluctuate from day to day. So it's not a static uh, type of environment that we find ourselves in, but I think day to day, this is what we continuously are living with. We're living with these beliefs, living with the conditioning, living with the thoughts and the ideas and the energetics. And that's really what's governing our physiology. It's what's governing even the thoughts. So, so sometimes even the feelings can govern the thoughts, right? So if we can, we can slow down, we can pause, we can feel into ourselves. We can just uh, kind of analyze what's going on. And that'll at least give us a starting point, a baseline for what's true and perhaps what might be going on from that sort of uh, story perspective, right? And again, those stories and those ideas and those beliefs are generally created from a a younger version of ourselves, Mm -hmm. uh, the four-year-old version of ourselves, the six-year-old, the nine-year-old, right? Because they're coming from that conditioning. They're coming from ignorance. And so uh, I think just with that perspective, it starts to open up potentially some possibilities, right? Because so often we can get merged. We get so merged with our experience that we can't entertain a perspective. We can't entertain an idea, right? If we think about business or or any other endeavor, right? We want to give ourselves the opportunity for something new to enter, a new idea, a new way out, right? If we're caught in a a box and we can't figure out how to get out of this business struggle that we're in, right? We need to give ourselves a space to allow these new things to come in. Same thing with our health, and oftentimes we may not even know exactly what step is necessary next but if we can leave the door open for for that next step to enter uh then that's a, a greater possibility but if we stay closed off if we stay merged with our experience afraid unsure running these stories in our mind i don't have enough money it's going to cost a lot of money um, it takes a long time i don't have the time i'm too old i'm too young i mean there's a million stories that we can run in our mind and beliefs Um, if we're we're stuck and we're merged and we're caught in that too much, then then we're really not allowing for these new ideas, these new possibilities to enter. And from a more spiritual perspective, that's really what we want. We want to invite in the infinite possibility that that something can come out, come come to us, right? And I've worked with a lot of people in this space um, who find themselves in pretty tight situations where they don't have money. And we may even have a path forward, but they don't have the money to be able to execute that. But if we can actually work on the belief that about money, about finances, about wealth and what it is and where it comes from and how easy it is to acquire, then those new possibilities can, can emerge. And I've seen that happen. Yeah. Somebody with, with very little financial stability and, and not a lot of uh, money coming in. If you want to call it manifestation, I don't know, whatever you want to call it. I, it's not a word I use too often, but I think people know what I mean when I say manifestation. It, it can happen. $20,000 can come in in a matter of a day. Mm-hmm. and without any idea of where it's coming from. And it, and it sounds fantastical perhaps to some people and it still does to me, but I've seen it and I've seen it yeah. happen many times over. So I think that's, when it, that's the first step that whenever we find ourselves in overwhelm in confusion in fear kind of merged with these experiences, merged with a part of ourselves, merged with that fear, giving ourselves a little bit of space, a little bit of curiosity and starting to open up to the new possibilities is, is an unbelievable first step.
0: So what's coming up for me is I'm listening to you, um, kind of unpack all of this for us is an experience that I had maybe four or five years ago. I read Joe Dispenza's Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself, Mm -hmm. which is an excellent book. One of the things he talks about in the book that I found so powerful and liberating, and actually, as I'm saying this to you, I'm like, I need to read this book again, Um, just to transport me back to that space is you don't... The power of the mind is that you don't have to know the how. That's right. You just need... To see the what like be in the possibility of what it is that you want to create, and I remember the first time I sat down to actually put into practice some of his perspective on meditation um, what is it that I really want for my life in the next six months or a year? I actually do this for all sorts of things in my life. one of the things that Roderick and I are talking about now is getting land and building mm-hmm. um, the the home that we really really want to be in really for the rest of our lives you know um, and I'm the investigator type that wants to figure out, you know, how are we going to make all this happen? What are all the steps? And I could feel myself getting really bogged down similarly to how we get when we start like, you know, and I now I have this diagnosis, you know, how am I going to figure out how to unravel this? And I stopped in that moment. And I went over to my cushion, I sat down and I just started breathing in and thinking about what I wanted this to be. And it's, it's a really great energy mover. I find it to be really practical. And you know, you're able to apply it to a lot of areas of your life of like, um, when I think about my body and my health, I have looked into the future last year, as I was really struggling with all this mold stuff, looked into the future, and envisioned the weight coming off effortlessly, getting my, my mind and my brain functioning, like it should. And I didn't know how I was going to create that, you know, especially when I've had all these experiences of trying to get that weight off and it's just, it's not letting go, right? How am I going to create that? When I just held it in mind, I could see myself there and it, it began opening me. And I think this is what we all need as we're navigating. You know, we need, we need to be able to be in the possibility and be in the openness that something, something good is going to come from this. And as it turned out, that weight dropped off of me in six weeks. I can't even believe it. I did, I did a cleanse for 21 days. And lost 10 pounds and the next three weeks I did nothing and I did not get on the scale again and I just went back to my normal eating which is healthy, you know, but it's it's not obsessive. And I got on the scale and I lost the other eight pounds three weeks later. Like it was I can't believe how fast it was totally didn't expect that to have that experience right but it's just there's something so powerful about being able to extract ourselves from the prison of this is the reality I'm experiencing right here and move into a place of here's what I want it to be like and I'm going to see this and believe this and hold on to this possibility.
1: Yeah, I think... (laughs) It's hard to to comprehend how much of an illusion we're living in, right? And and we it all feels so real, looks so real, and our mind makes it real. And this is what's interesting about the mind, right? It is so powerful. And so what we believe about ourselves, what we see when we look in the mirror, how even how other people's view us impacts how we view ourselves, right? So we are cre- we are moment by moment creating the reality that we are experiencing, right? So that's that's unbelievably powerful. If you if you just sit with that moment by moment, we are recreating this reality. And so that means that we can either keep ourselves locked in. On this one timeline, so to speak, on this one path, and on this one reality that I'm experiencing, or I can use my mind to create an entirely different level of reality. I can I can shift the timeline, so to speak. I can think ahead. I can view myself. I can in, I can envision what it's like to be healthy, to be happy, to be uh, whole and integrated, to be fully embodied, to be uh, to have plenty of abundance of, of food and and money and uh, anything in, in relationships, right? I can, I can visualize that I can even feel it in my body, right? So we're using the power of the mind and we're also using the power of awareness itself. Right? And this is, in my opinion, this is what we truly are. We are awareness. We are the great awareness that is. And so when we are able to use our awareness, we can localize it. We can expand it. We can, it, it goes in and out of time, right? It is the quantum, if you will. And so this, this awareness is tracking on this and we can use awareness and, and our mind to create that new reality. Right. And so that's, that's kind of what I mean is that we get merged in this, this illusion that we call reality. And just by unmerging a little bit, we can start to use the mind, use our awareness and create a new level of reality. And that can, that can open up possibilities that, that our limited mind, our little small mind can't fathom. Right. And this is the, this is the shortcoming of planning, right? And I, I'm, I'm one who, I mean, that, that's been a big pattern of mine is to use the mind as, as a resource to get me out of trouble, get me out of danger and fear and all the things that I'm experiencing is using my mind to analyze things, to solve problems, to plan ahead, right? And that serves a valuable function and it is extremely limited to what is possible, right? So if we just kind of, if we allow ourselves to drop that a little bit, use the mind to, uh, to open up to possibility, use our awareness to envision and, and find and track the reality that we ultimately want to experience. And, and believe it or not, can experience in the moment, we can actually create that experience moment by moment, and that will create a new reality, right? And so this sort of manifestation or this, this idea of of creating this new reality can look like spontaneous remission, things just naturally resolving themselves. It can look like finding the solution on your own that you didn't know was there. It can look like finding the person that's going to help you find the solution, right? There's, there's a million ways that it can unfold. And so part of it is, is envisioning and, and, and tracking that, that ultimate result and allowing the, the process to just play out as it may, right? And so it's constantly reminding ourselves that that's a possibility. And the more that we can condition ourselves to sort of be in that reality, to experience that reality, to, to visualize that reality, to feel into that reality in our body, the more likely it is to come to fruition and Along the way, what's really interesting is that all the things that we're experiencing right now that we may not like, that are are uncomfortable, that are causing us problems, there's actually clues. They're they're actually there to help guide us, to help give us information. And so all along the way, we can actually use those as a way to awaken to a greater truth, to a deeper level of reality, to, uh, to a more whole version of ourselves. And so there's so much opportunity once we become unmerged, once we open ourselves up Provide a little bit of awareness on the body, a little bit of awareness on the beliefs, on the mind, on the mindset, and just start looking at these things, right? Viewing these things, hopefully without judgment, although the the critical nature of ourselves, there's always a inner critic that's probably going to be present along the way. But if we can learn to sort of accept that inner critic and put him aside or her aside for a little bit and start viewing these things from a non-judgmental, non-critical perspective, then we can just start understanding ourselves better. This is sort of the self-reflection um, that that really can guide us along the way. And you know, if we combine that with an embodied perspective, feeling into the body, tracking the body, feeling into the sensations, the emotions, all the things going on in the body, there's so much information there that, that will reveal itself when we put awareness on those things.
0: I want to talk a little bit about a specific belief. And and let's just explore some tools or way of being with that that can help um, help people create some shifts. Yeah. And the belief that's coming up for me, because I hear it in our community, people respond to my emails and they'll say it is I don't have the resources. I don't have the money. Um, I'm on a fixed income. Um, Maybe they've they've only got Medicare. Maybe they're on disability. Um, Maybe they're maybe they their family has resources but they've got children who are maybe you know one is in a, in high school maybe they've got two in college right and so it just seems like the resources aren't there how do we begin how do we begin to unpack the um the resistance around i don't have the resources
1: mm. Yeah, I think first it's to it's to acknowledge that there on some level that's true. Right now I don't have the resources right available to me. Right. And so we can acknowledge that there's a there's an element of truth to that. However, it is not the full truth, right? There's a there's a greater truth that we can that we can uh, uh visualize right? And so one aspect to that is for some for many people, myself included, we didn't really learn how to receive very well. So in other words, the resources may be abundant and everywhere, and yet for whatever reason, and I may even be able to see them sometimes. I, ha- I don't, haven't learned very well how to receive it, how to take it in. And so um, a good example of this, that's sort of, it's a very minor example, but I think many people can, can identify with this. When somebody gives you a compliment, do you kind of shy away and kind of duck and dodge the compliment, get a little embarrassed by the compliment and kind of turn it down? Or do you fully accept it, right? That's an element of receiving. That's sort of this feminine nature of opening ourselves up and receiving what's coming in, right? A compliment is a very, very small gift. It's a very small gift. Right. And so if we aren't able to fully take in that small gift that someone's giving us, if we feel, if we feel weird by it, right, then that's, that's an indication that there's, there's an element of there uh, element that we can work on, that we have an ability to, uh, an opportunity to improve. So this idea of receiving is different than going out and trying to get, right? Um, there's been so many times where I've been asking for help and, and looking for help and going, in other words, I'm trying to find the resources and they're not coming to me. And that has to do with my energy. It's not that they're not there. It's not that nobody wants to help me. It's that my energy is just a little bit off, right? And this is very difficult to explain, but there's there's elements of conditioning of what we might call trauma of missed experiences in our childhood, where we didn't get these things reflected back. We weren't shown these things, right? If, if nobody's shown you the color purple, then you know I can explain purple all day and you're not going to understand what purple is. You have to be able to see it, right? So if you didn't, see, you've never seen purple, that's a missed experience. And until you see purple, we 're not going to get anywhere, but once you see it, then you understand what that is right The same thing goes with some of these energetic uh, qualities that we usually gain from our parents or our caregivers. They essentially reflect they they transmit energetically um, through a lot of different means um, socially, and we, we pick up on these stuff right especially as we're, we're young beings, we are totally open uh, to receiving all this information from our environment right We are energetically open and so when we have those missed experiences, when we have these traumas, when we have these conditionings, another conditioning might be that, that I mean, that's a strong one, right? The, the fact that resources are hard to come by, mm-hmm. right? They are not abundant, right? And that may be overtly said to you when you're a child for. 10 years, 15 years running, or it may be sort of subverted, subvertly kind of hidden in the language and in the tone and in the way, uh, your parents or caregivers or your teachers or your coaches or whomever might be expressing, right? So we pick up on all this stuff. And so that might be a belief that I carry with me energetically and in the mind that resources are difficult. They are tough to come by. And when they're available, I don't even really deserve them, right? So there's so much going on there that would prevent me from being able to, uh, recognize, realize, and and ultimately accept the resources that Around me, so again, there's probably people listening to this and think I'm full of crap, right? And that's an indication that your conditioning or your the reality that you've experienced, which has proven that I'm full of crap, right? So that's the thing. So your experience may be so that what I'm saying doesn't make any sense. And there's others that they have no problem finding resources, right? There, people are always coming to them with with exactly the resources they need, right? I, I haven't been one of those people in my life as I've done more and more, more and more work with regard to energetics, resolving some of these missed experiences, some of these traumas, these beliefs, these conditionings that I was raised uh, with, then the reality has begun to shift for me. And just enough to where I, 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 I can say what I'm saying. Like, I, I believe in this. I understand it because I've experienced it just enough and enough to where it's, a, it's become a major focus for me to uh, continue to work some of these parts and these pieces in myself so that the, the abundant resources that are all around me, uh, Will be even more abundant, right? And so this is the thing. Like life is, life itself is unbelievably. There is no nothing more abundant than the than life, right? It is everywhere. We have so much resource around us. There is no shortage of resource, of prana, of of energy, of chi, right? Of life itself. And so how do we cultivate that, right? So we can actually, in things like Qigong, um, will actually teach us how to cultivate resource, how to cultivate this qi, this life resource, right? Yoga and, and uh, Ayurveda also have some techniques um, that, that teach us how to cultivate this energy, right? And so when we, when we are able to cultivate this energy, when we are working on our receiving muscles, when we learn how to get rid of some of this old conditioning and these beliefs that we carry with us that are essentially blocking us off from receiving, um, then life starts to just give to us. And it's unbelievable where these things come from. Again, the mind is, it's very difficult for the conditioned mind to understand how it's possible that all these resources become available. But if you know some of your friends, perhaps you, they might call themselves amazing manifestors or whatever, but things just happen. I've met shamans, indigenous healers, where they can literally just generate things. Like it's its just unbelievable the resource they need, right? Whether it's a, uh, the ability to travel across countries, even though they didn't have the right passport and the right thing and blah, blah, blah they make it happen. Like things just naturally fall into place for them, right? So there's, there's really, really amazing ability to do this. And so it's something that that can be practiced. It's something that can be sort of unconditioned and reconditioned. But, But I think that's what I would say is that it's, it's very specific for each individual. A lot of times it's, it's difficulty receiving. A lot of times it's in the beliefs. It's in the conditioned mind that is literally preventing from, uh, from those resources from showing up. A lot of times we can be trying to go get the resources, but again, the energy is off. And so we're unable to actually, um, acquire them, so to speak. And some people don't do anything. They'll meditate and all of a sudden things will just naturally unfold for them. And I I know these people, they're very good friends of mine. And I learned from them. They're teachers because uh, for me, because they do such an unbelievable job. My conditioning is to do, 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 do more right if i don't have what i need go do more figure out a more efficient way figure out solutions that's my sort of old conditioned method the more effective way is to sit meditate if you will pray however you want to say it but basically sit into your alignment work on your energetics allow trust open up right and let things come to you so there, there's yeah. a different level of reality we can play with and again this may be difficult for some of us it certainly has been difficult for me in my life it's getting easier but as we learn to play in that new reality it doesn't have to be hard. These resources are everywhere and always available.
0: I am. Uh, I got chills when you said people don't receive well, because it's kind of been the story of probably the last 20 years of my life spiritually. First of all, even seeing that I didn't receive well. Uh, it's very difficult, right? I did. I did not realize that that was probably even a thing for me until I was around 35. Yep. Like if you Likewise. would have said something about receiving before, th- it just would have, it just, I would have completely missed it. But my journey started in 35 and I had the experience of being in the hospital after a second surgery to fix the first surgery. They stitched up part of my small intestines and so I wasn't keeping down food or water, so they had to fix that. Um, but I was in the hospital and I needed to a ride home. This was before Uber. And I had not told a single friend. Nobody knew that I had... I mean, I'd been... By this time, I'd been through so much trauma with the first surgery, not keeping down food or water for six days, going into the hospital. I was admitted for three days. None of my friends knew and it made me so uncomfortable to reach out to anyone that knew me to ask for a ride home from the hospital, which of course my, any of my friends would have been like, yeah, of course, Ms. I'll oh, yeah. get you at the hospital and take you home. But, but, right? but,
1: but, but let's, let's honor that. Right. So what you were experiencing is very real, like in the mm-hmm. body, in the mind, in the emotions it was a very difficult that's a reach, right? So what you you were doing right there is a reach. So when do we experience that in development? That's, that's around, you know, six months, a year, a year and a half. The child is constantly reaching, reaching for mom, Mm -hmm. reaching for dad, whatever. Right. And this child reaches, that's what we do. We we literally reach up and out. And so when we're met consistently, reliably with exactly what we need, then that reach becomes secure. And we become very confident that when I reach, I'm met. There's somebody there that's going to meet my needs. When that's not met, whether it's the crying out method uh, at night when baby's sleeping, whether it's m- there's a single mom raising two kids or three kids, right, and they can't meet all the needs, right? There's a lot of reasons that loving, amazing parents won't get that won't meet the needs of the child consistently. So that reach becomes inconsistent, and then we don't rely on it, right? And so we'll reach sometimes, but not really. But then we eventually, some kids that aren't aren't hardly met at all, they won't even reach. They just won't reach. And so we literally carry that energy, that that whole dynamic gets brought into adulthood and you're, you're displaying it perfectly. I have Mm -hmm. the same thing. Many Mm -hmm. of us do. It's very, very common. And so what's, what seems so obvious, like you reaching out to your friends for a ride and you, you know, you knew then in your mind that they would say yes. And then it's not a problem. They, you know, now they would say it's not a problem. And yet energetically, emotionally, there's something in there. There's a block that says, this is scary. I don't want to reach out because in in internally, so vulnerable at the time, exactly. Is it, if it's not met, then what does that mean right it's mm-hmm. dangerous it's so this is a perfect example and and it's something to be honored right like there's a there's a little girl in there that didn't get her need met and so she's terrified
0: and that's that, exactly what it was in my case it was a little t trauma cuz of course this was a decade ago so i've done, <laughs> I've done a lot of investigation into this totally. since then but um but it was a little girl i was the oldest of four so my mom worked full time my my father was very he 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 embodied back in those days what we call toxic masculinity today, mm-hmm. where everything at home was woman 's work, you know he didn't contribute much with the kids um he didn't earn consistently when I was younger, so you know he would quit jobs really easily and so my mom is is carrying everything she was working two and three jobs, taking care of us right so so you can imagine as her firstborn, how once I just started displaying. Any ability to be a contribution. My wow. role in the family was to contribute and to help support my mom and to take care of my siblings. And, you know, you take... were adultified early. Yeah. You very, became... very early. And that's, that's, I think about, you know, I endured sexual abuse whenever I was a teenager, uh, actually even younger and adolescent. And a lot of things that we would consider capital T traumas yep. and working through those and moving through those were way easier for me than the little T trauma because it was so subtle. I didn't grow up feeling like I was being traumatized by helping my mom, right? It was so subtle for me that I remember in the hospital having that experience and, and noticing what was happening. Like I am terrified to ask anyone for help. I couldn't have articulated at that point, you know, Misty, you, you do not create any space in your life whatsoever for people to be a contribution to you. That was, I mean, my identity was, I was able to give and be generous and support. And, you know, like it, it, it wasn't, it wasn't on my radar then that I've created a life where everything flows out and nothing flows in. And it definitely did a number on my health, but the, the thing for me to overcome and to work through wasn't, the symptoms and the sickness as much as my way of being That's right. the, the exact thing that you're talking about here. Like I lived in a world that didn't really contribute to me. I had to contribute to it. And then you can imagine when I start not being able to contribute in the same way that I used to be able to contribute the fear that that induced for me, right? Like what's going to become of me. I mean, it was, it was the, the really the, the perfect um, experience to spiritually break me open in the, the best of ways, right? But it took a while to unpack and feel into all of that. And I know there are, I've told this story to girlfriends and I've seen the tears. I know that this is a very common thing for women, especially is this struggle around being able to receive because of all sorts of little T and big T traumas that we experience over the course of our life. You know, the fear around receiving and the vulnerability that we feel needing something from, from from the universe, from God, from from our families, from you know somebody in society. Please see me. Our communities, you know, um, this is a very common thing, and I I love that you took the the financial resource piece and connected it back to this because I actually think this receiving thing affects affects us on so so many different levels because it is it is the opening to receiving that actually brings all of this stuff. Like even your comment of you know let things come to you, like let things come to you before. I was 35 years old. I didn't wait for anything to come to me. <laughs>
1: yeah, you go get it, right? And <laughs> I would have that, got
0: everything, yeah. good or bad, right? <laughs>
1: well, and that's the message, right? That's the message on Instagram. It's, it's, you know, it's all these memes of like, go out and get it, right? Get up yeah. early, work hard, that right? hustle and culture, go out and get it, right? Mm-hmm. And and there's nothing wrong with hard work. Hard work is great. It's a good quality to have, and it's also not required. Right? It's yeah. not. It's not. People think that it's a mandatory aspect to success or to to achieving something. That's not the case right commitment sure dedication sure like you got to be committed energetically dedicated and energetically right that's different right working hard i'd rather work smart i'd rather work efficient right uh, mm-hmm. that's, that's that's a totally different thing right and ultimately i'd love to just be aligned and allow things to come without any what we would might classify as work right but but what we're what we're getting at here is this idea of, of receiving it also ties into the health peeve, which is which is nourishing right so yep. again this is this is so fundamental at a developmental aspect of who we are that perhaps we didn't breastfeed properly, right? Because maybe I had, my tongue was tied and I couldn't latch onto mom's nipple and therefore I couldn't get the milk. Or maybe mom wasn't able to, to, uh, she didn't have enough supply, right? Or for whatever reason, there's a lot of different things, right? I uh, wasn't able to, she had to work. And so I wasn't able to, to breastfeed. This is an idea of when I'm sucking, when I'm reaching, when I'm, when I'm wanting Am I met? Am I met energetically, emotionally, uh, physically with the with the milk or with the food? And, and if it's not there, if it's not consistent, then anytime I get a resource, I'm gonna hold on to that resource and I'm not gonna let it go because I can't count on something being there in the future. Right? Do, are we starting to see like, you know yeah. what I mean? This is a this is an energetic thing that that we we get conditioned into that if I can't count on a resource being available to me, whether it's food or whether it's love, Then I'm going to hoard whatever I can get and I'm going to be constantly afraid that what, that, that, that whenever I have or need my next meal, my next uh, attention, that it's not going to be there. So it's this fear, it's this fear of lack, uh, uh, that something's not going to be there. And then when I get it, I hold on to it. And this is what happens. Energetically, in our bodies too. So we can actually our, the shape of our body can actually start to uh, reflect this. We can actually hold on to resource, right? So women or men have a trouble losing weight. That may be a component. I'm not saying this is everything, but for certain people, it's going to be a big piece of the pie, and for some people, it may be a small piece. But this can be an element of that that we're actually holding on to energy reserves uh, for fear of letting go of a resource because i don't trust energetically that something's going to be there so what we're talking about is something deeper than the cognitive mind right the cognitive adult mind understands that there is food out there available right but the body the energy uh, systems it's a different thing that's a conditioned level of reality and so we can hold on to fat stores we can hold on to things when we eat food we may not be able to properly digest and assimilate we don't we actually don't know how to take in nourishment very well So this can result in food sensitivities and digestive issues, right? This is very, very deep. What I'm pointing to here is something so fundamental that affects finances, relationships, right? I don't trust the love that's there. Um, I won't let it in fully or I'll let it in fully, but I can't fully accept it. Like there's deep, deep aspects here where, where we can let it in. But if anything goes wrong, then we start to create these walls and we push away and we, we get anxiety that it may not be there. This, this has to do with our attachment system, what we call an attachment system in psychology, there's so much here right so the physical element of digesting food and and the way our body is shaped the relationships the finances the wealth the the job resources this is endless right so it's a really important aspect to to start to investigate within ourselves to look at our childhood history to start to feel into this resource piece with regard to money. That's, that's probably the easiest one. Money is the easiest one because there's so much energetic charge with money. Yeah. And so we can look at that as a relationship and and use that as a template for for many other things that have to do with with resource.
0: So I'm thinking about the big ahas I started having um, probably about eight years ago around my inability to receive. And I, I wanna share a couple of things that I think you're just gonna riff off <laughs> awesomely. I want, people to, um, I want people to have a sense of where they can go exploring with this. Yeah. Um, So when I first started seeing that I had a pattern of not letting people contribute to me, I started watching my interactions with others. I started noticing more where I was constantly trying to be the person with the solution or solve or give. Um, I started noticing how um, someone else's unmet need would create a little bit of anxiety for me and I would feel like I needed to fix it, right? Um, I just started getting more present to, um, to how this belief and pattern was playing out in my life. And, and I didn't, I didn't try to do anything to fix it at this time. I was just like, let me get to know myself through this lens. Like, let me, I started having this whole new understanding of, um, of why I did the things that I did, why I took the path in life that I took. Right. I just, I wanted to understand myself. I look back now and I, what I was doing that I didn't have the language for is I wanted to start seeing me because the truth was in my reality, I didn't see myself. I mean, for real at at 35, when things started everything kind of collapsed in on me, right? Up to that point, I didn't see any of this stuff in me. And so I wanted to just start, start to see it, right? There was also, I noticed a part of me that wanted everyone else to see it and and respond accordingly. Like I, I uh, there was a part of me that didn't, I didn't know how to fully own this and embody something different. So I was, I'm hoping that something outside of me is gonna pick up the slack. And I quickly saw that, that, you know, there's no one coming to save me, you know, like it's just, it's just me. And, um, and then I started catching myself and being with not solving all the problems
1: mm.
0: and not figuring out all the things and not being the person that would jump up with the solution. I remember going to a restaurant one day with one of my very close girlfriends, who's still a close girlfriend. And um, I asked the waiter a couple I need, I need to order something that had, you know, I was probably doing some kind of cleanse or something at the time that fits this description. What do you guys have on the menu? And I remember Tina looking at me like, after the waiter walked away, she was like, who are you now? I didn't in that moment. I wasn't, I wasn't thinking about it from the perspective of, I need to practice not having the solution. I was, I had been practicing just not embodying the same way. Right. And when she said that, I realized, wow, that was a really big shift for me mm. to not be the person that, you know, has to figure it all out or, or ask the question so I can figure it out myself. Right. Right? But instead, I just created space for someone to figure it out for me. Um, But there's there's a whole lot to taking this apart whenever you realize that I'm I don't know how to receive in the right ways or it feels uncomfortable to receive or I'm feeling vulnerable receiving, you know, like it's one thing to have. an awareness of that in a moment, but it's another thing to untangle all of this.
1: Yeah. Well, you said it beautifully. And so, so often when we walk through our lives, we're, we're just merged. We're, we're in our little tiny selves. We're not expanded and sort of watching ourselves interact with the world, right? That's a sort of more advanced practice. So awareness practice that we can use or mindfulness practice, which is, which is beautiful. And we can just kind of watch ourselves without judgment. But you know, the first step that you took was compassionate curiosity. Let me get to know myself. Mm -hmm. Let's see what's going on here. Right. Let's see what, what Misty likes to do. Right. And, and, and it's beautiful. I think this is one of the most practical tools that, that anybody can start to utilize. And it comes from, I, I think in part, uh, one of the, the maps or models that I like is internal family systems. And there's some languaging that they use and a perspective on human psychology and human behavior and, and sort of spiritual behavior or spiritual kind of, uh, context, I think that they take that I really, really like. Um, and you said it beautifully. You said, there's a part of me. And so they talk about parts a lot, right? And so from that perspective, When we're born, we come in fragmented, right? And this is actually what the indigenous, a lot of the indigenous people believe too, uh, as well as other cultures, um, is that we come in fragmented and our sort of soul is fragmented all over the place in different realms. And so in in psychology, we we have these parts of ourselves. And when we get overwhelmed, when certain things come up, these parts start to take over, right? And so instead of being a whole integrated self that can navigate the world, we have all these little players. And so Misty might have 25 primary parts and managers that are all interacting and working with things, right? And so there's a vulnerable one. There's a vulnerable part that is scared and doesn't know what to do and confused and, and very, very sensitive, right? It needs so much care and, and, and so much tenderness, right? And that one, because it's, there's so much fear and tenderness and softness, usually there's another part that comes in to protect that little tiny misty that's so beautiful and innocent and scared and doesn't know what to do, and that one maybe tries to solve all the problems. Really good at problem solving and and coming over the top and being very assertive, right? And and perhaps very defensive or perhaps very aggressive or or whatever it is, or really good about hiding everybody, right? And getting tucked tucked away. But there's these parts in of all of ourselves that come in and start to. Protect the vulnerable aspects, the the soft ones, and start to manage the life. Right, whenever there's a sense of overwhelm or confusion or fear, um, whenever a need is not getting met. Right, and that need can be safety. It can be a connection. Right, there's all kinds of these needs, these fundamental needs that we have. So when those aren't met, then these parts and managers come online to protect ourselves. And so this is just a really really good place to start is to start to get to know these parts what parts and what programs do you run? And, and look, you can use internal family systems. You can use the, there's five personality patterns. There's a bunch of beautiful maps to sort of um, understand some of these aspects of ourselves, right? One of them that one part that I, that I have, and I is, does a beautiful job for me, um, is the self-critic, right? The one that's, that's highly critical of the world around me and also highly critical of, of the things that I do. Now that's a beautiful part, right? And, and a lot of our parts we, we tend not to like, uh, it's a, it's a tendency that we tend to judge and Again, that's a part. The part that's judging all the other parts, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, this, this, the the critical one, right? That's one of my parts. It's beautiful because it's finding all the dangers, it's finding all the mistakes, all the errors, all the places that might create uh, overwhelm or, or fear or anxiety or any kind of issue, right? And so, it's it's highly highly adaptive at looking at all the issues, so that we don't put ourselves into a place where we're not getting our needs met, where connection might be taken away, where we're not going to find uh, unconditional love. Where we're not going to find safety, so it's really, really good at looking at all those things. So that's one of my strengths actually. Now is that I can look and find a ton of different mistakes. In fact, I was a um, a uh, you know, quality control engineer back in my day, right? And that's actually the whole point is to find mistakes and figure out how to optimize a solution so we get you know perfect parts, so to speak, mm-hmm. uh, on the assembly line. And so it's a strength, right? And if it's if it's running in the background constantly, it can be a limitation, a hindrance. And so instead of uh, creating a combative relationship with these parts. Um, we can really, that's, it's a part of ourselves, right? So we want to actually love these parts, work with these parts and learn how to recognize that I am not that part. So when that part comes online, the one that's highly critical and, and judgmental, um, to recognize, oh, that my part, here's my part, right? That's mm-hmm. not me, right? I'm, I'm the awareness that is, this is just a personality part. Ah, hi, there's that, that part. And I can mm-hmm. actually, the, the more advanced awakened, uh, adult version of myself can actually come in and sort of say, hi, acknowledge that part. Ah. There you are, hi. How you doing? Right. And so I can welcome that part. And sometimes we can actually create dialogue with these parts of ourselves and ask them to step aside. And sometimes they won't. Sometimes they're, they're very good at defending and protecting us. That's why they're there. They're there mm-hmm. to protect us. Right. And so to view, to learn, to think about these aspects of ourselves as, as little beings. So we have an whole orphanage of, of people within in our, inside of ourselves. Right. And some of them are two years old and they, some of them are four and six and 10 and 12. Right. So you, you might hear people talk about, um, you know, I have my, my inner child, right? Well, you don't have an inner child. You've got dozens and dozens of inner children that you're working <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And, and so, and they're all different versions and some of them are very, um, they're not very, uh, sophisticated and some are highly sophisticated. They're very tricky. In fact, you gotta, they can, they can trick you. And, and so we can get identified with these parts so often when something comes, somebody comes in, I have a two and a half year old, um, children are very, very good at, and our parents too are very, very good at activating our parts. And so if we're not aware, we get caught in a part really quickly, right? Mm-hmm. Whenever you're in a fight with somebody, spouse, a loved one, you're in a part guaranteed yeah. or so they, right? And so you can start to learn to recognize these parts. And sometimes it doesn't happen in the moment. Sometimes it's more reflective. Oh, I was in that part. Yeah. Okay. That's why I was acting that way. Holy smokes. You mm-hmm. know, I was really defensive and right. And then, so usually there's two or three parts going on. There's one that's super vulnerable and scared and, and afraid. And there's one that's coming in trying to protect and defend and aggressive and, and all these other things. Right. So, so again, it's, it's, it's getting closer to the real time acknowledgement of these parts. That's the practice. So throughout our day, they can pop up. If I get an email that says you, you're, you're, you owe $20,000 and it's due tomorrow, right? That's going to activate a part in me, right? Go, Oh my God, what, what the heck? Who missed this? Where's, where did this come from? Whose fault is this? Why isn't this paid? Right. The stories and and the parts are going to start to activate, right? So we can actually view these in real time. Or we can view them, again, after the fact. But the, but the closer to the real-time uh, acknowledgement of these parts as they arise, I can feel them in my system. Maybe it activates my chest. Maybe it's a sinking feeling in my stomach. Maybe my, I can feel kind of a buzzing somewhere. But you can feel these in the body, recognize these parts come online, and then you can start to work with them. Right? So again, using internal family systems or a model like that is very helpful, but ultimately this is, this is getting to know ourselves. And that's really what you did uh, such a good job of is you got curious about these parts and, and who is showing up in these various scenarios. And once you get to know them, then you can start to get to know what their needs are. So every part has a need. And when we can get this, the, the part it's need, then it starts to become more integrated. It doesn't run the show oftentimes it requires another person to help us get the need met of this part. It's something that was missed when we were in our developmental years. We didn't have uh, another nervous system, another person there to sort of help us regulate and co-regulate this part. And so sometimes it might take a therapist or a friend or a loved one or somebody who can, who can sit there and basically just love you for being you, even when you're in your part and and get that part, uh, the needs met of that part, then it can start to, integrate. It can start to metabolize some of these pieces. So that's that's probably a good place to start for many people. It's just to really get to know themselves. And again, using these parts and these maps, I think is a really good way to do that. So... I was
0: reflecting as you were talking on this time in my life when um, I was starting to get present to myself. Uh, one of the things that also started happening is um, a lot of relationships started falling away. Uh, yeah. And I want to mention That's this because one. it's it's an experience that is not unique to me, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> when I started seeing um, what I really needed, um, I began to see that I had constructed a web of relationships that it worked for all involved for me to not have needs right and now suddenly i'm realizing that i do have needs and it's not working for everybody the same (laughs) i'm not getting what what i need from the relationship they might be feeling resentful that you know i'm not showing up the same way that i was before um and some of that was really scary i i noticed it professionally and with my team at the time there was um a a mass exodus and firing both that was happening, um, on my team because I needed to change how everything was working and Mm -hmm. I didn't enter those relationships with that expectation. Right. So I'm like trying to change, change the deal and it didn't work for everyone. Um, but I also noticed this in some, some friendships too. I didn't want to keep showing up, um, providing and giving in the same way that i had not that i wanted to not give and provide but i needed more flow i needed more reciprocity yeah. so i just want to kind of put this on the table as we're kind of wrapping up this talk that um that the commitment to this can be challenging from the perspective of it a lot of things get shaken but i can tell in my own experiences tell you that on the other side of it it's pretty unbelievable the life that you're able to create when there is flow and reciprocity and ease and you're giving and you're receiving. And I mean, I I think about who I am today versus a decade ago when all of this started and it's, it's mind blowing. I had I had no clue what I was even missing. You know, um, yeah. I didn't know, like, I feel like I'm in such an abundant, place. But when everything first happened for me, I didn't have financial margin in my life. And I didn't have, I didn't know people, resources. I was in Nashville, Tennessee. It was very hard to find any doctor that was outside the conventional medicine box, right? To help me with things. I just kept hearing your labs are normal and things are fine. And this is supposed to be happening. And right. So it was super scary, super scary. And Embodying the the receiving and deciding that I I need things to be different and I'm going to believe that it's possible for them dif- to be different was was really that first domino to fall and so many things happened without me making anything happen which for people wired like you and me Jason it's like kind of hard to fathom it, it that is. life can be yeah. so easy but it truly can be well and so much does, easier
1: when it does right when when I've gotten those sort of proofs um I mean it's it's the best feeling ever because I, you know I. I I have only recently recognized how hard I've been working, right? And, mm-hmm. uh, but internally, yet yeah, I've, I've, I've recognized that I'm tired. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm tired of working so hard. Yeah. And then when things get to be easy, it's, it's a kind of a mind-blowing experience, right? Yep. And again, that's a different level of reality that I, I didn't know, right? So uh, it's kind of in that camp of missed experiences. I didn't realize that it could be that way. And once you yeah. start to template these things and they start to um, get encoded, so to speak, in your system then you start to operate as if that's how reality works. And that's, to me, it's all true. It can mm-hmm. be hard and it can be easy. And so mm-hmm. where do you want to be? And so um, how do we get there is, is the question. And in, in, in my experience, it, it comes down to really addressing where these beliefs come from, where this mindset comes from, um, where these energies that I'm operating from, how they get established and how do I work through those? And and so once we start to address those, then we can, we can actually show up differently. And that's when the, the, the world shows up differently to us. Right, so it's, it really does start within, but it's, it's the most unbelievably powerful tool and it, and it shapes our reality from our health to our, our relationships, to our finances everywhere. And this is, this is in my experience, I don't know that it has to be this way, but I've seen it demonstrated over and over again, that in this sort of these upgrades, so to speak of your sort of reality, things fall away. Right. And, and sometimes, and I, I would actually argue that that's happening in the world right now is that, all, look, 20, I mean, 15 years ago, maybe 15, 20 years ago, I recognized for the first time, as the kids would say, I was red pilled. I recognized what big pharma was, uh, big ag, how much destruction was, was going on the medical system and how fraudulent and destructive it is, the university system, all of these systems, the financial system, I was learning about the Federal Reserve and all the financial systems, right? And without getting into sort of the conspiracy theories, it's just the, the level of bureaucracy and, and all these institutional corruption that, that, was, that, was, that was present. And I was looking at it and going, oh my God, and, and I was sort of sent me in the tailspin of sort of kind of depression in a sense of like, how do we get out of this? Cause mm-hmm. as far as I can see, it's a big, big mess. And what I'm looking at is sort of holistic health. And I see all these, these things that are stacked up against me and us as a, as individuals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do we, how do we change this? And what I see now is that it's all falling apart in the most beautiful, hectic, chaotic, scary way possible. And I would never have imagined it. Right. And so I'm seeing, uh, the school system start to shift, right. The vaccination thing starts to shift. Homeschooling starting to become a thing, right. We have these alternative financial markets starting to emerge out of nowhere. Um, organic movement has been continuously improving and and moving forward, right. All these systems are starting to kind of uh, crumble and fall apart. Right. And so this is kind of a demonstration of what I've experienced in my life as, as I've moved forward, and I think, again, I don't know that it has to be this way, but it is very common that it feels like your world is falling apart. And this can be your relationships. This can be your finances, your business, right? You had to fire everybody. You had to let everybody go. People are quitting. Whatever the case is, it feels like things are falling apart. And in reality, the truth is is that you're upgrading that you're moving on up to an, another level. And that requires a shedding of your skin, a shedding of your old ways, and it feels scary and it feels like, what the heck is this right because you 're stepping into something new and you 've never been there before, and you don 't mm-hmm. know what it 's like right so this is what's so ironic and paradoxical about the whole thing is that you, because you 're upgrading, you think, oh, it's just going to naturally get easier along the way and it 's like, nah it actually gets harder kind of, but it 's mm-hmm. only because it 's something new, and then once you 're there, you recognize, oh, this is a better way of being right and so it's it's harder in the sense that it's unfamiliar you 're walking into the unknown yeah you, you, get to, you get to create something. New. that's the beauty of it right and and the things that you're wanting to get rid of were so comfortable that you got used to them and even though they're not what you want right and so it's like losing weight it's like going to the gym right it's getting thinner is not easier it's harder but yet it's paradoxically easier as you at some point it just becomes easier right so it's very strange at all this emerges but i remember
0: talking to my friend julie saying exactly everything's falling apart that's right yeah And she said to me, Misty, everything is falling together.
1: Ah, yeah, yeah.
0: I remember getting this chill and like there was something inside me that just leapt and I I wanted, please let that be true. Please let that be true. Yeah. Yeah. And and, And and it was true.
1: And and the way to experience that, in my my opinion, is to acknowledge the pain and the challenge Mm -hmm. and the fear. So it's not in, in all of the things that we've talked about today. It's not about sort of changing your mindset. Sort of, you know, these, I think Tony Robbins calls them incantations, right? This idea mm-hmm. of just changing a belief that's good. And it's really important to feel what's here now. Yeah. Feel the fear and feel the panic and feel the, all the stuff. Hopefully you, you have the ability to process. If not, you may need another body, another being to actually, another nervous system to help you co-regulate. It's yeah. Really, really important because sometimes we don't have the resource and we don't know how to metabolize these things on our own. Yeah. So we have, it helps to have somebody help to metabolize these things. It's not ideal to subvert these feelings. It's not ideal to just shove them aside and go, oh no, it's falling together. It's fine. Right. Um, that's bypassing what's really here. And so to acknowledge what's here to be able to process it metabolize it and and again there's information in it so if we can if we can feel what how discomfort how uncomfortable that is and and really all the discomfort that i'm feeling in my body in my emotional state on my in energetic capacity in my visual capacity whatever it is how chaotic and, and uncomfortable it all is to process all that there's something that magical that happens. There's this transmutation that happens. We are alchemists at our core. When we process these traumas and these beliefs and these, all this conditioning and this pain, what emerges on the other side of that is beauty and love and clarity. And it's unbelievable. So it's, it's really hard to explain, but that's what happens when we process. And generally it's an embodied somatic experience. We process something. And sometimes this looks like you hear it all the time from, from people that are doing amazing things. They reached a point in their life and they fell on the bed and they just cried and they wept and they prayed that things would be different because they were in such a tremendous mess, right? Mm -hmm. They basically hit their rock bottom and they just cried, right? That is a perfect example of actually moving the energy through. It was stuck in their system for so long and it was causing so much turmoil that eventually they finally moved it. And it looked like this billowing cry. they were weeping and they just got on their knees and they prayed and they said, you know, help me find another way, right? Like they're actually genuinely in it and they move it through. And what comes on the other side is something unbelievable. And it can actually be instantaneous. I've actually had this myself where something was so uncomfortable and emotional and challenging. And as I moved it through in real time, there was an awakening process, a realization that happened in the moment that magically shifted things. And so that's a really important thing to acknowledge here is that to to really honor what's happening, not bypass it and and feel it and just recognize that that's real too. What you're experiencing is real. It's just not the full truth. There's a bigger truth out there, right? And so as we move into these uh, sort of new levels of reality, it gets to be fun, right? So it's, it's holding multiple perspectives like, oh my God, it does feel like things are falling apart. I can acknowledge yeah. that. And there's another aspect of myself that recognizes there's a bigger truth out there that is waiting for me. That's really, really exciting.
0: And it's really important, I think, that when you're in the darkness of things falling apart, which I'm in my experience of that moment, but many, many times
1: but this in my daily. life. This can be daily. Yeah. You can the, when you're in the darkness that you, yeah. that
0: you do what you just said, and that is you don't believe it, it's the totality of the truth of your experience, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like I've, I've learned, I have some muscle around that now where like this is hard and it feels scary. And I don't, I don't know what's on the other side or I don't know how I'm gonna get through this, but I'm just gonna visualize what, what it is I want and what I'm committed to. And I'm going to trust that everything's going to be okay. And the word surrender, as we've been talking, has come up over and over and over for me.
1: Yeah. And that's, that's an interesting one, right? Because there's this idea of surrender and and acceptance and letting go. And your system only knows how to do that to whatever degree it knows how. Right. And and you can't just force it. Like your system Mm -hmm. was too brilliant. to just let, let things go. Cause right. Right. Let things go as a six month old, then you die. Right. So we don't just naturally do that. Um, there there's, it's a, there's something that needs to be stabilized. And we kind of, we get better at it and better at it when we start to do it and, and accept more and more when we find safety and the ability to do that. But there's a process that that, that happens in that sort of letting go. So um, it's, I think that the, the, the one of the biggest skills, again, in this is to be able to recognize when you're caught and merged in an experience, right? And instead of being merged, we can actually do that in real time. Oh, I'm actually merged in the part here. Oh, wow. I'm really, I'm really caught in the fear. And I've done this many yeah. times. And, yeah. and it's funny how long it can take a day. It can take a minute. It can take a few days, whatever it is. But you finally recognize, oh my gosh, I've been caught in a part this whole time. I've been so merged with my experience. Then we gain a little separation from that experience and we can still feel the experience and an aspect of ourselves can witness while we're doing it. And when you can do that, you can do that in a, in a relationship when you're in an argument and like, wow, yeah, sorry. I'm really just activated right now. I'm really triggered. Right. And so you can, so what you're doing is you're disidentifying with the one that's triggered. You're just saying, ah, oh, I'm feeling really triggered. Right. Yeah. And so you can acknowledge that like, yeah, wow. Like this little part of Jason's getting really activated here. And yeah, I'm just, I'm noticing that I'm really pissed. I'm just feeling really pissed off at you right now. And yeah, yeah, this is interesting. Right. So it's like, you can, you can bring some, um, a little bit more levity to it. You can acknowledge it, but also not get so fused with it. Right. And then when you, when you can have that dialogue with yourself, as well as hopefully with another person, and you know, I'm just feeling really triggered right now. Um, by the way, it's nothing you're doing wrong. It's just, this is really triggering me, right? Now you're sort of, you're owning it, right? You're not putting the blame on the other person, but you're also not getting so fused with it. And you can just acknowledge that, that aspect that's showing up. And so having that dialogue with yourself, is a really big skill to bring into relationships, to bring into yourself when you're working, when you're going throughout your day, when you're, you know, getting, get cut off in traffic, when anything goes wrong, you can start to recognize, oh, wow, like, look at me, I'm, I'm getting really activated, right? There's, this is really triggering me, right? That's interesting, right? Mm-hmm. And so you can bring some curiosity to it, some compassion to it while not bypassing. And, and when you can do that, then you can start to learn what's happening and you can start to get, you find your patterns. And that's a really, really important skill to have. Again, it goes back to that, that thing that you did at the beginning, which is i want to get to know Misty, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's a, that's a huge quality to have is start to get to know your patterns and your parts and when you're getting triggered and what, how do you get out of it? Right. And that's, that's a curiosity that you might have. You might pray about it. You might meditate on it. You might do a walking meditation with it. You might reflect on it. You might ask somebody, right? If you're, if you're vulnerable enough to be able to get some honest feedback from others, that can point you to, the, to these truths as well. So there's a lot that you can do, but I think it really starts from this idea idea of getting unmerged from the experience itself, getting getting that, having that compassionate curiosity. Awesome.
0: Well, this has been an amazing conversation. I could go for another hour. I would love for you to let everyone listening know where they could find more information about you and your work online.
1: Yeah, they can go to awakencollective.com. Uh, you can find some of my work there uh, as well as uh, longevityfilm.com, and you can find me there as well.
0: Awesome. Well, we'll have all the, um, the links to this in the show notes. Also several of the books and, and modalities that we talked about during this interview will be in the show notes as well over at healingrosie.com. Thank you so much, Jason. This has been a wonderful conversation.
1: Thanks. Always good to see you.
0: All right. We'll see you guys. That's it for this week's episode. Thank you for listening. I hope you're feeling more empowered to overcome your flabby, foggy, and fatigue and to reclaim your life. If you haven't subscribed yet, don't forget to hit that subscribe button right now. So you don't miss any of our episodes. We have some awesome shows coming right up. I love reading your reviews and comments too. They inspire me and encourage other Rosies to hang out with us and learn all these amazing strategies for healing and living our best lives. Till next time, sister. Bye.